right, hey, we are back. You've got your refill and you're ready to go. We are going to continue our message series uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. The first two weeks has really been um, incredible. It really has, and today I'm praying that we just continue in that vein of just God speaking to his people through his word. And, and you know, it's amazing how, how the Bible and through just uh, message series is like this, that God prepares his church uh, for what he needs to prepare his church for. And I'm amazed as we were looking into Ecclesiastes, especially chapter three, which is where we're going to be. You can open your Bible or your app, the YouVersion app. And we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 3, really 1 through about 13, maybe 14, 15. That's kind of the scriptures that we're going to be diving into. And I think God's going to really speak uh, directly to our lives. But also, I believe that he's got a a very specific uh, message that he wants to share culturally of how we respond to things that are going on in our nation right now. And uh, it's an honor to be able to do that. My name is Micah. I'm our location pastor at our Long Beach location. And it's a privilege to be able to share with you uh, today. And wherever you're at, I'm excited that we're here together. Our lead pastor, Pastor Jordan, uh, had a staycation this week. Staycations are either the best vacations or the worst vacations that might be worth putting in comments. Now don't get too distracted when you're talking there, but like staycations are awesome, but I think it's awesome that we have a team that as other, other people are taking breaks that we can continue uh, to share messages and prepare. And that's, what's going to take place today. So Ecclesiastes chapter three, um, in 1965, uh, a band named the birds, uh, wrote a song that actually took all of their lyrics except for six of them from Ecclesiastes 3, from these set of scriptures that actually verses one through nine that we're gonna discuss today. The song was called Turn, Turn, Turn in Every Season. Now, for those of you that have heard that song, you are um, singing that in your mind. So you can say thank you to me. Like, and it's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Like I watched the music video of this song and it was was exactly what you would expect from 1965. Uh, And I was gonna share it with you but it was just a little odd because it was the band playing and then right behind the band playing was this one girl just turning around for about four minutes. The song is turn, turn, turn and she literally turned for four minutes. I was like, this is a little odd. This is a little distracting, but it doesn't change the fact that the birds wrote a song that actually went number one in December of 1965 called Turn, 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 and they took their lyrics from this set of scriptures. Now, their hope in communicating this was that they would talk about the seasons of life and kind of have this positive spirit spin to what life actually looks like. It's kind of like it's ebbs and flows and it goes in and out. And you, if you're going through a bad season, a good season is coming. And it was kind of that, that type of message. And honestly, one of their missions with this message was world peace. Like that, that's what they were going for with a song. That, that's, a, that's a pretty bold take for a song to bring world peace, but that was kind of the goal. And it's been used uh, in different ways, but it's oftentimes been used to comfort walking through difficult seasons saying, hey, good seasons are coming. They're right around the corner. Just get through the bad season. Unfortunately, that's not what we believe uh, the author of this book, who's widely believed to be Solomon, King Solomon, uh, intended for this book. You see, as he was writing and as he was uh, communicating about life, in particular in chapter three, verses one through nine, he's actually got more of a tone, uh, more of an enunciation on 
life, really time, seasons, they're meaningless. They're hopeless. And now some of you are watching right and you're saying, I came here to get encouraged. And this guy's coming out of the gate saying, life and time and seasons of life, that they're all hopeless. But he, he just paints this picture of it really doesn't have much meaning at all. Actually, it kind of paints this picture that time haunts you. That it's like when you go uh, to vacation, you know, some of you are on vacation right now in Pensacola, and I heard that you're watching this message, this service on the beach right now. But like, just for a moment, if you're not there, picture this with me. You pick up some sand in your hands, and you just watch sand run through your fingers, and you had this handful of sand, and so quickly it just falls through your fingers and through your hands. And that's kind of what Solomon is talking about here, that the time just goes and it's oftentimes unaccountable for. For adults, we know this to be true because we say phrases like this, man, where did the time go? Man, I thought I had all this time. I thought I, thought I had all this life and... Where did all the time go? There's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> Come on, some of us say that. There's not enough time to do, or when will my time come? Time, it's haunting, it's frustrating, it's difficult to process. And the crazy thing is, is it's not just a difficult thing to walk through as an adult, it's also difficult for young people. But it's on the other end of the spectrum. It's not that it's moving too fast, it's that it's moving too slow. And I know that because it's like, I can't wait till I have more freedom. Parents, don't get mad when you hear your, I know that's frustrating. Don't get mad when you hear that though, because they're going through the same struggle that you're going through just on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's this, this battle with time and they want to speed things up. I can't wait till I get my own freedom or can't wait till I get my driver's license. Can't wait till I finish school. And sometimes it's in a, in a big scale like high school. Sometimes it's just the school year. I remember at the beginning of this school year, we were like two or three weeks into the school year. And I was dropping the kids off one morning and my youngest said, dad, how much more time, how much more days do we got left to school? It's like, it's taking forever. And I'm like, oh no, like, oh no, we're in for, we're in for a doozy of a school year. If week three, we're saying, is this thing done yet? But time speed up or I can't wait to get out on my own. Speed up. It's a different end of the spectrum when we're talking about it, but it's the same problem. Time seems almost frustrating. It seems almost meaningless. So I want to ask the question, what do we do with this tension? What do we actually do to navigate this frustration that we have? And what happens is Solomon is just going to talk about it in verses one through nine. Uh, he doesn't give a lot of remedies. He doesn't, this isn't like a, a book that he's saying, this is how you maximize the seasons. This is how you make the best of these moments. He's actually just taking this observatory view and he's saying, yep, this is what life is like. So what I'm asking you today is to let the scriptures read you. As we read the scriptures, let the scriptures speak directly to your heart as an individual, as a family, 
and even as a nation, you know, there will be moments that we talk about some cultural things we're walking through as a nation in direct reference to this tragic situation that has taken place in Minneapolis with George Floyd. And I'm asking you before we even go there, because I know the way the enemy works is to instantly put up barriers, put up defense mechanisms. And what I'm asking you to do wherever you are is to allow the word of God to combat the defensive mechanisms that we instantly throw up. Whether it's to cultural issues or to our individual issues when it comes to time. So I wanna pray and we're gonna dive into Ecclesiastes chapter three. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to communicate your word. So God, I pray that today, God, that it wouldn't be about personalities, that it wouldn't be about style, that it wouldn't be about even, God, so many things that are surrounding this conversation today, but I'm asking that the purity of the word of God would go forth and would land in the homes and the hearts of every single person watching this. And God, that your word would not die and not bear fruit, but God, that it would take root in our life, that our lives would be good soil. It'd be fertile soil. And God, that this word that's deposited, Lord, that it would bear fruit. That's our prayer. And that's what we're believing is gonna happen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ecclesiastes 3 verse one says this, for everything, there's a season. For every single thing, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Solomon comes out of the gate talking about life, again, from an observation standpoint. And he's saying, hey, there's a season for every part of life. He's saying life cycles are unavoidable. No matter if you swear that you'll never go through that life cycle, it's unavoidable. For you that swear, man, I'm never gonna be like my dad and work a nine to five and wear a, a, a suit and tie to work. And then you wait 20 years and you find yourself in the lunch break room in a suit and tie looking at your friend beside you saying, how did this happen? Well, it's because life cycles are unavoidable. And that's what Solomon is insinuating and strongly suggesting right here. It's one season we're here and the next season we're in another spot. As we grow up, we move from season to season. And it says that all season, everything, there is a season. He's simply describing the seasons of life. That's what he's doing right there. He's saying, guys, just to make you aware, if you didn't know already, this thing called life has different seasons attached to it. And what he does over the next few verses, and this is verses two through eight, is it's a poem. And he uses... Um, this, this tool, it's something that takes place in poetry. I'm not pretending to be a poet, but I did read about it. And it's called mirrorism. And what mirrorism is, is you present opposites and you present one extreme to another extreme. And then what, what happens there is basically as you paint these two extremes, it encompasses both ends of the spectrum and everything in between there. And that's what he does. He has 14 different pairings, 28 different things that he talks about. And we're going to go through all of them. Some of you are like, I thought this was going to be an hour, an hour and five minutes. It will be, don't worry. 
verse two says this. It says that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. Right out of the gate, he says it. He, he starts where we start. And in the first part of his connection in this poem, he says, there's a time that life is brand new and it's got new beginnings. And there is a point in your life where it ends. And instantly it speaks to the fragility of life. It says that what we have is here one moment and gone the next. Generations cycle. It's like we're standing in single file lines. And right when you get in line, you're like, wow, this is going to take forever to get to the end. And as you realize you're moving forward in life, generations that once led pass batons to the next generation to lead. You need to be aware of that, but also acknowledge that this is just part of life. One thing that I do think is very important to notice right here is that although there is a time to be born and a time to die, that's not the original plan. You see, the original plan was much different. God created life and death is an enemy that reminds us that we live in a cursed world. We live in a world that isn't the way that God originally intended for it to be. And it's because sin entered in to this world. But again, Solomon is just standing back and he's saying, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. He continues in that verse and he says, there's a time to plant and a time to, to, to pluck up what is planted. Now this can be suggesting about harvest season, but also it's talking about how so often we spend our life giving to and investing and getting our hands dirty, planting something only to find out that another season comes and that thing that we labored in, we sweat on, we got dirty in that tomato plant that a dry season comes. Or if you're watching up north, frost comes. And that very thing that you gave your life to planting, it has a season that you just pluck up. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Doesn't seem right. Like, come on, it's got to be a better way. Verse three says this. It says that there's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. It says that there's a time to break down and a time to build up. Now, it's time to kill. I do know that some of you are like, okay, let's talk about this. And the truth is this can be talking about um, self-defense. This can be talking about a, a just war. But the truth is contextually, this is probably speaking more to the agricultural time. It's talking about a time to kill and a time to heal that oftentimes this, this animal, <laughs> this, this, this cow that you nurture back to health, eventually you have to kill. Now, you might not have cows walking around in your homestead or in your suburban neighborhood that you live in, but you might have some sacred cows that are living inside of your life, that are operating inside of your life that we've just allowed to keep living. 
Now, I'm not going to go through a big laundry list of these types of things, but this is what's so amazing about our God is that he speaks specifically to us right where we're at, right how we need it and when we need it. And what I'm asking you to do is as the Lord speaks to you to just acknowledge, are there some areas in my life that just exist that really shouldn't be existing? Are there things that I need to kill? The next phrase that he said is there's a time to heal. This is where I'd like to pause for just a moment and say, church, this is a time as a nation where we must seek healing. This situation that has happened in Minneapolis is something that desperately needs healing. Whether the officer was operating in racially charged tones or if it was just a terrible mistake, one thing that I know is certain is that this has poured gasoline on a fire, on a racial fire that has been burning for a very long time in our nation. And this is not the time that whatever side you find yourself on in this conversation, this isn't the time to stand up and try to make a point for for something. It's a time to make a difference. And how do we do that? What are we supposed to do? How do we actually make a difference? He said there's a time to tear down. And there's a time to build up. There are some barriers that just operate either knowingly or unknowingly in the world that we live in that I believe that we need to build some bridges across racial barriers that we might not have built yet. I heard it put like this by an African-American pastor. He was talking with a white pastor and he said, man, he said, you know, when you had a child, like when you were in the delivery room with your wife, he said, you didn't feel the pain that she was going through, but you coached her through it. And church, believers, simply people that are watching this, found yourself scrolling through this. Guys, just because you might not feel the pain doesn't mean that the pain doesn't exist. And you might not have the pain directly affecting you, but you can build bridges of conversation, bridges of empathy, bridges of restoration that might not exist right now. And that might come through tearing down some things that are internally operating in your life. Solomon obviously wasn't prophetically speaking about this moment as he was penning this because I don't want to minimize the scripture into singularly talking just about this instance because this can be talking about a wide variety of things operating in your life. But I do believe it to be appropriate right now to simply say, God, are there anything in my life God, help me, to, help me to continue to live out the observations of Solomon that we see in verse four, because he says this. He says, there's a time to weep. He says, there's a time to laugh. 
says there's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. Church, right now it might be a time to weep and that's okay. It might be a time to mourn, but I believe this, that as we build bridges, as we build bridges of restoration, reconciliation, of conversations, that there's going to be times to dance. There's going to be times of joy. And I believe the church should lead the way in this. Solomon is already saying a whole lot about the world that we live in. And I'm asking you this to simply acknowledge that the seasons of life that you're walking in, if you're walking through a weeping season, just know that this is a season that's taking place, that it's just part of life as painful as it is. But know that there is a time of joy that's also part of your life. He says this, he he continues in conversation. He says that there's a time to cast away stones and there's a time to gather stones together. It's like, what are we talking about? Obviously, if this was written today, we'd have some different uh, poetic extremes, but uh, this, is, this is believed to be at times of war and just the world that they lived in right there. Uh, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together was, was a, is an Israeli war practice, really. And what that meant was that people would throw stones in rivals or enemies' fields, and that would make their fields difficult to tend to. It'd make it difficult to grow food, to eat. It would make it difficult to navigate. And Solomon's saying, hey, there's times that we just got to do that. And then he says, but there's also times that you're going to have to pick up stones because somebody did it to you. It's like, yep, it happens. He also says this. Now, I do believe this was prophetically speaking to the season that we're in in regards to COVID-19. He said there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Right now, it's a time to refrain from embracing, right? But don't worry, my friends. The time is coming where we can embrace. But honestly, what's going on right there, there's conversations about there's times to embrace friendships, but then there's also times that friendships just are done. It's the season. Verse six says there's a time to seek and a time to lose. There's a, there's a time to look for something. And parents, you probably understand this better than most is like, you know, like when your kid loses something in their house and they are distraught because of it, like they lost something so valuable. This last week we opened bank accounts for our kids and one of our, you know how it's, it's, it's a super cool moment for them. They get the little card. It's got the, the, the little plastic card. Like they think they're rich. They think they can do some. It's just a savings account card. You know what I mean? But, but our youngest, he, um, we, we, we warn, strongly warn not to give people this card. Don't, don't, don't give them your password. You know, those types of things. And maybe I over-dramatized uh, the dangers of losing that particular card, but unfortunately he lost uh, that card that day in his room. And he came, and I know you're watching right now, Sam, so you're helping me preach right now, bud. But he came into the room with me and Ash, and he's like, like distraught. <laughs> I lost it. His identity's stolen. Like everything's going through his head. The world is over. I don't have any money anymore. I only had 25 bucks, but you know what I'm saying? Like the world is caving in and we went on a search and rescue mission for this card. 
Would you know that oftentimes you hide savings account cards with your baseball cards? Just to, just to let you guys know in the future if that ever happens. But guys, there's a time to seek out, but you know that sometimes it's a time to just say, okay, it's done. And that's what Solomon's saying. Solomon says that there's a time to keep and a time to cast away. He continues in verse seven and he says, there's a time to tear and a time to sow, which is talking about the grieving process. Jacob, when he believed that he, his son was killed by an animal, uh, it says that he tore his clothes in, in grief. But then it says when that season of grieving closed, it was time to sew the clothes back together. It says that there's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. I think if this was written today, it'd be something like there's a time to post and a time not to post. Only you can be the judge of when that is. In verse eight, he says a time to love. There's a time to hate. There's a time for war and there's a time for peace. Again, Solomon completely stepping back from life and just saying, this is what life looks like. If you pay attention, there's some really frustrating things that take place here because for every good thing that happens, something bad takes place. It's like this life comes to a head as a nil, as a total non-plus of a life because all of the good cancels all of the bad. All of the bad cancels all the good. And this really messes with us because it creates tension. It creates frustration. And this is what Solomon's saying. He's saying everything under the heaven, so this life, everything under the heaven, he summarizes it in verse nine. He says, what gain has the worker? What gain do you have from all this toil? Like, What good is it? Why do we even do this thing called life? Why do we try so hard if this is all that life actually is? Which brings us to a summary statement for today. If this world is all there is, then time itself and seasons of life are absolutely meaningless. And this should drive us to a point of frustration This should make us mad because there's something in us that wants to live a life of meaning, but it's all one big wash. It's pointless. It's meaningless. And this is what Solomon's saying. And that portion of the poem ends. I'm telling you this, that your frustration is going to lead you and drive you somewhere. For some people, that frustration means I got to go do something. I got to, and you constantly live on this life of trying to achieve and and meaning and fulfill time in your, this slot in your life that says, I got to do something that matters. But I believe that your frustration should drive you to trust Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That's the only way that this actually matters. And that's what Solomon's about to tell us. In verse 10, he says, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And then we get to verse 11, which is a very confusing verse in and of itself. So what we're going to attempt to do is break this into three parts. He says this, he said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. So what he's saying right there, the first part, let's freeze right there. He's saying every season of life is actually beautiful in its time. We're like, what? 
No, 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 I can go with you. If you said he has made some things beautiful in its time, I could run with you, Solomon, but he has made everything beautiful. There is no way this life feels like a shard of glass and it is a jagged little piece of glass that is painful. It hurts, it's meaningless. And what I think God's wanting us to do in this moment is to maybe scan out a little bit and realize that this shard of glass that makes up our life and defines and kind of paints the picture of our life is part of something much, bigger than this life in and of itself. I think what God's wanting us to do is realize that all of our pain, all of our pleasure, all of those things is part of maybe a bigger stained glass image. And he is asking us, he is calling us, he's pleading with us right now to realize that he has made everything beautiful in its time. The next part of verse 11 says, also, he has put eternity into man's heart. He's put that thing inside you that says, I want to make a difference. Like, I believe that there's something more. Why are we frustrated? Because we believe that there's something more. And he's put that there. He's saying everything's beautiful in its time. He's planted eternity into our hearts. But here's the problem. The last part of verse 11. It says, but he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. It says, you're not going to get it. You're not, as hard as we try to understand the big picture of life and exist and the seasons of life and the time that we live, the reality of man's limited knowledge must drive us to faith in God. So to summarize verse 11 for you, as we put all of those things together, it's this. We believe and desire for better things than this cursed world. But we can't see the full picture. And because we can't see the full picture, we have to, we must lean on God. We are trapped between time and eternity And we must trust that God uses the details of our lives, every detail of our life to work out a grander plan, a bigger plan than just this life. We'll end with verses 12 and 13. It says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Pastor Stephen shared last week out of chapter two, and it was the thought that enjoyment of life is actually a gift from God. Now, it says in the Bible, it says that God gives gifts to those that please him, that are pleasing in his sight, which makes us ask the question, who is pleasing to God? So if I can enjoy life, how do I maximize? How do I capitalize on this thing called time and the seasons of life that God has given us? How do I enjoy it? It's by being found pleasing in God's sight. The problem is we're not pleasing to God in and of ourselves. You, me, we aren't pleasing to God. So how, why, what do we do with this thing called life? One thing we know is that that who is pleasing to him is his son, Jesus. Sin 
is what cursed the world. We are all sinners. That's what the Bible teaches us. Sin is what has cursed the world. And we live in a world that's contaminated by sin, that's troubled with sin. Knowing this, the Bible tells us, the Bible teaches us that our God sent his son, his sinless son, Jesus, to this sin-riddled earth. Why? To experience all the times, experience all the seasons, experience all the ebbs and flows of life that we do. So if you're in a season of life right now, please understand this. The the person sitting next to you might not fully understand this season. There is one that does. It's the name that's still above every name. It's the name that came to this earth. Jesus had a time to be born. Jesus had a time to heal the sick. You see where I'm going. Jesus had a time to build up. He built up disciples all around him. Jesus had a time to tear down old thinking, old traditions, old structures. Jesus had a time where he crossed racial barriers. Go read his life. Maybe in this season, it would be a great time to think, what would Jesus actually do? You see Jesus go out of his way to Samaria one day, a person that his people were not supposed to be around. But why did he? Because she needed him. The people in Samaria needed to be around a man named Jesus. And what I'm asking you to do is simply do what the word of God says. Jesus had a time where he had to cross barriers and I believe there's probably times where we need to cross barriers too. Jesus had a time to dine with sinners. Jesus had a time to die. He experienced everything that we did. Death is the penalty of sin. Why did Jesus have to do it? He did it because we couldn't do it. You see, Jesus took on the grave, took on the penalty of sin so that anyone that would put their hope, put their faith, put their confidence in him would have hope that their time would be redeemed, that their life would mean something. Jesus came to this earth to heal the brokenhearted. And I believe he came to this earth to bring meaning to time. I want to pray for you. God, so many words, so many things that were shared in this moment. And God, I'm asking you that you would take every word, every moment, every scripture, and God, you would breathe life on it right now. God, for those of us who are realizing God, that eternity, 
all of a sudden has meaning because we see Jesus in a whole new light. God, I'm praying that some of us in this chat, some of us in this stream right now, we'd surrender our lives, that we'd put our hope, our faith, our confidence in the fact that God loved us so much that he sent, he gave his sinless son to us to live a life that we couldn't live, to pay a price that we deserved. And in the end, we receive the benefits for his life. God, I pray that we would be surrendering to that, surrendering our life, repenting of our sin, putting our trust, our hope in Jesus. And God, that all of our hope, God, would be found in something bigger than the seasons of life in and of themselves but God, that the seasons of our life would simply come to life because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Church, what I wanna do is take just another moment and it's to do this, it's to sing about the fact that all of our hope is found in the hands of Jesus, our King and our hope. So if you would stand to your feet one more time and let's lift up a name that's bigger than our name, that's bigger than the seasons of pain or joy that we experience, let's lift up the name of Jesus together again. I don't want to be, I won't be moved.
was a clear picture of the heart of God and what God means for our life in every season of life. So I want to help you take your next step. There's some people in, in this chat, in this video right now, three different groups of people. If you fall into any of these categories, I'm asking you to hang on for about three or four minutes immediately after this service. And our hosts are going to continue a conversation with you on this stream. The first one is this. If you are new or newer to Northwood Church, you've been joining church at home, or maybe this is your first Sunday, and you're saying, I want to learn more about Northwood Church, hang on to this chat. So that's category one. Category two is today, if you made a decision to follow Jesus first, congratulations. This is, this is the greatest moment of your life, but we want to help you take your next step. So that's category two. Category three is this. If you find yourself wanting to connect with other people in conversations like this, maybe continue conversations in small group or just get to know how you can attach yourself and be part of this community. Maybe make church at home a little bit smaller and get to know somebody's name. Hang on, you're category three. So any of those three categories, if you're simply saying, I want to stay on this stream, hang on because right now we are transitioning this service back to our hosts, Victor and Amber. What's up, What's guys? going on, everybody? Another dose. Another dose of the host. Of the host. That's Double it. Dose. Here we are. Double dose. Yep. We are back to say, if you have anything that... Any questions? Any questions? There's yeah. the words. Look, see, that's why I have a partner here. <laughs> she keeps me out of trouble, though. <laughs> he helps me. Yeah. But what an awesome message that we heard from Pastor Mike. Like, so, phenomenal. so good. I, I love Fire how our flames. pastors could just take special moments and just breathe life into it's it. It's so good. Every Sunday. It's, so good. It's phenomenal. And so, like, the worship, like, coming together. I had and, chills during worship. Man, it was so good. I feel like yeah. everything was so timely. And I feel, I really feel like it brought all of us together today. Yeah. Like, it was Absolutely. really, really good. Yeah, I, it was phenomenal. Woo, woo. But like Amber said, if you have any questions to start off, go ahead and start putting them there in the uh, comment section on YouTube and Facebook. We're going to try to do our best to answer those questions. Some of our staff pastors are logged on trying to, you know, answer some of the questions that we may not be able to answer. So let's see. For sure. We're going to look and see. Looking forward to seeing our small group at five. So yes. that's so Sherry Small Seaman. groups. Yes. Yeah, small look, groups. Miss Sherry, she got us on the right track talking yep. about small groups. Yeah. If you are not in a small group, that's okay. We totally can get you in a small group. Yeah. Northwood.church slash small groups. And you yeah. can sign up and you can be a part of a group and have an awesome time. Yeah, and don't Just do like life alone. Have. Like don't small groups alone. is so, so crucial and vital yes. to your walk with Christ. I mean, church just isn't these four walls, right? Absolutely. It's outside, it's yep. community, it's yep. sharing with people, it's mm-hmm. iron and sharpen or iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, just just do life together with somebody. Yeah. Um for I mean, those that may have done the salvation prayer too. Absolutely. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, uh they're having a party up there in heaven right now absolutely. for you. Uh, but yeah, so if you're new here or you just accepted Christ, you don't yep. know what that really looks like, go to the next steps link that we told you about earlier. So Northwood.church slash next steps. Uh, it's, this should be somewhere in the comments section for y'all on YouTube and Facebook mm-hmm. and go to our website. There's yeah. easy links. Our website is super easy to navigate. So that way you can be able to get that information on there. So let's go ahead and start looking yeah. for some questions here. Yeah. I saw Kimberly ask how to get on Zoom. I know there is you when you go on northwood.church slash small group right. you sign up your leader should reach out to you yeah. and help you get on zoom so, yeah. you so they'll either send you a link that through text message email you know be able to do that 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have Rob French saying yep. on YouTube that we have a men's small group that is still meeting online if guys want to connect. Yeah. So, so if Rob you're a guy French, and you want to connect, guy. you just either don't want to do the in-person thing just yet yeah. or you're either deployed, working offshore Whatever. or something. Yep. You just can't be there in yep. person. We still have a men's group that's yep. able to accommodate that. Absolutely. So they are doing a hybrid thing. And that's the really yep. cool thing about it is there are groups doing hybrid yep. stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm actually going to do a little bit of hybrid with yep. my impact students. Sure. So whoever can't be there in person, you know, they're more than they're welcome to log connect. on. I'll have my phone up, mm -hmm. laptop something. So yes, so there is groups that are doing that. Yep. But then you've also got Tom and Jessica Wojo for the first time meeting back in person tonight. Tonight. For their small group. So, yeah. um, you know, there's all kinds of awesome groups that you can connect to. There is. A Again, Northwood.Church slash small groups. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important to be in, in community, just like Absolutely. you were saying. I mean, students, young adults, prime time, and uh, everybody in between. Yep, everybody. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, so important to have somebody to lean on and to talk to and to help keep your eyes on Jesus because yeah. that's really what yeah. this is all about. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we'd be able to show some of the notes that Pastor Micah preached on for Impact Night. Yeah. He actually took some of our senior high school seniors questions or answers and was able to say, hey, look, this is what small groups meant to me throughout my high school right. life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, if it's if it's impacting a student, you know, between ninth and or seventh and 12th grade, imagine what it could do to your life as an Absolutely. adult. You know, they go through things too, just like adults do, and it impacted them that much. Yep. So, so guys, we had such a great day. Yeah. We love hanging out with you guys. And if you have any other questions, just send us a direct message, you know, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any of wherever, email, email whatever. Something. It's all good. Send us a DM and we will yeah. catch you guys next Sunday. On the flip side. We love you guys. Later. Can't wait to see y'all next week. Bye. <laughs>